Our warships have the white flag indicating Navy. Our red flag indicates we're not Navy. And the blue flag is the national flag. This is Fort Denison. Welcome to Seeking Sydney, where we answer your curious questions about our harbour city. I'm Monica Samioa. This week, we answered a question sent in by our very own Michael Jones. How did they build Fort Denison on such a little island in the middle of Sydney Harbour? To get the most accurate and correct information, I had help from Discovery Coordinator David Thompson. So first things first, we're going to give you a brief history of Fort Denison. And now the Queen of the Land County takes the job. Now, this is the uh, Martello Tower. It's on Fort Denison here. It's one of um, two in the Southern Hemisphere, and this is the most complete one in the world. Now, the uh, Martello Tower has come about from... It was during the um, Napoleon Wars where two British warships with over 100 guns on board went to uh, attack an island called Corsica. And in the bay there that they were entering, called Martella Bay, that's where Martello Tower came from, they saw one of these towers, just one of the towers, nothing else, and they couldn't get past it with their 100 guns. And they were so impressed with the design that the uh, the British built 187 of these through, throughout their interests around the world. And as I said, there's two in the Southern Hemisphere, one in South Africa and one here in Australia. David told me in the original design, the entrance was supposed to be made on the second level, which would then require a rope and a ladder to get inside. But since it's such a small island, they decided to make the entrance at the bottom, magazines in the second level, and the guns on top. Towards the bottom of the tower, there are about four meters thick of sandstone, and at the top, it is nearly three meters thick. In the first level of the tower, you will find the magazine storage room, and on the second level houses the guns that are over 200 years old. It took about 10 men to operate and fired 36-pound projectiles. After explaining how much effort and strength it takes to operate the guns, David then told me something that surprised me. There was never any shots fired in anger from Fort Denison. What had happened is when it was built, it took so many years to build. They started building and started uh, considering the fort in the the 1830s. And it was because of two American warships coming into our our harbour in 1836. We didn't know they were coming. There was no mobile or email. They came in in the evening. Britain had just been to war with, with America. And they came into our colony the next morning to say hello, but they also brought in a scenario. Last night, we entered your harbour, destroyed everything that you had, and left before sun rose. And that put the chills up our, our colony here, thinking that was quite embarrassing. They could do anything. So we started to scramble around to build fortifications. We had a couple here and there, but we thought Fort Denison would be a great place. They brought convicts to start flattening the island with explosives and quarrying the stone to reclaim land towards Circular Quay. Around Circular Quay, if you've been there, you'll see these little, little round circles and it'll say shoreline 1857 or 1815 or something like that. So it, it grew and grew and grew into what it is today. And much of that stone that they used came from Fort Denison because, as I mentioned, it was inferior stone. It couldn't be used for building. And a lot of the stone they just took out and dumped in the harbour as well. So a lot of the, just the, the, the uh, I guess, stuff they really didn't want, the smaller stone and things like that. So they just uh, dumped it into 
Sydney Harbour. After a while, they stopped building Fort Denison because, well, they didn't have permission. There were no funds allocated until 1845, which then took 12 years to complete until 1857. Another re- reason people don't um, think about these days is what happened in 1852, where we needed to fortify Australia. And a lot of people don't think of it. We discovered gold. We became very rich very quickly. And we even heard rumours of other countries putting together raiding parties where they were coming, going to come out and raid our colony for all our gold reserves. But no one ever, ever turned up. And it's something that slipped away in history, but people don't think about the fact that we had to really think about protecting ourselves. So after all that hard work to make one of the most secure and safe towers in the Southern Hemisphere, it was never put to use. They didn't even have an army personnel at the tower. Army force out here, they put a lot of uh, volunteers out here. And uh, if anyone's heard of the old program, Dad's Army, that's what it was like. It was just a whole lot of uh, 44 volunteers out here. They were poorly trained. They had to uh, buy their own uniforms and make their own uniforms. But it was later on they sent out two uh, soldiers to help train them, and it brought up their morale. But they never fire, even fired the guns, uh, the volunteers. And, uh, yeah, so it was obsolete. But they still had to look like they were using it. I was still curious to know... With no machinery, how exactly were they able to flatten the stone and how long did it take? The stone, it was just with picks, picks and, uh, and coal chisels, you know, like just those types of tools. And uh, you get a hammer and you just face, it's called facing the, the, the rock. And uh, so they do that all by hand and all by, you know, just labour. And the stonemasons that uh, work out here today, they, they, because we were constantly replacing stone, um, just to, because it does erode, it does um, deteriorate. And they, they do the same thing, but they do that back at their, um, their workplaces. But, uh, yeah, just with picks, it's all hard labour, and uh, there was no machinery back then, and uh, it would have been very, very hard work. And the way that they pick this stone up, and it can be quite heavy, you know, we're looking at three tonnes of pop here, um, of some of the stone, and they'd have a triangular wooden um, arch, and it would be obviously the pointy part going up. Then they'd put that into position, in the upright position where they want their stone to be. But then they come along and they lower it down to where the piece of stone is. They attach the, the stone to the wood on that with the block and tackle. Then with ropes, they raise that triangular piece back up, therefore picking up the piece of stone and placing it into the, the place that they want it to be. But they'd have that all worked out because they didn't want to actually start trying to roll up this stone because they just didn't know where it was, uh, how heavy it was actually. But, uh, Today, Fort Denison isn't just a sweet spot to watch the New Year's Eve fireworks or have a wedding reception. There's a computer-operated tide gauge that goes 20 meters deep that records currents every five seconds. And you know what? Most people, when they come out here, say, I've come past this place all my life and I've never been here. And one of the great things I love to say is, well, you're here now and it doesn't matter. Now you're here and you can see what it's all about. If you have a chance to visit Fort Denison during the summer, you will not only get to witness a great piece of history, but you'll also see the best view of Sydney Harbour. I'd like to thank Michael for asking this question and also David Tonson for teaching us a little bit about our history right here in Sydney Harbour. If you'd like for us to answer a question you have about Sydney, like why are the streets so crazily arranged and hard to navigate, or is there really a lake underneath the Sydney streets, send them over. We would love to answer your questions.
Head on over to 2SCR.com and look for Seeking Sydney for the previous stories and to submit your question.